Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here to open our season of draft coverage, of which we are very, very excited. Two weeks from now... Just to uh, clue you all in, will be our annual visit with Justin Mello of the Draft Network. We are super thrilled for that, as always. He will be joining us for the entire hour on the episode that will be released on April 14th, that Wednesday. So you will definitely want to subscribe and, and follow the show so that you are around for that. Always one of our favorite episodes of the year. Guys, we start our draft coverage, though, in this episode. But before we get into that, there there is some news to talk about, both with the draft and with the NFL in general. Let's start with the NFL in general news. Week 18 coming to the NFL in 2021. A 17-game regular season is ahead of the Titans and the 31 other teams of the NFL. What do we think, guys? I hate it. Uh, plain and simple. I, I don't like it for a variety of reasons. I know Will is, is going to argue with me about this, but I think most importantly, the thing that bothers me the most is all the records that are going to be broken. We're, we're going to have to just completely change the discourse uh, on individual seasons. Not yet, but in a couple of years, that's going to happen. And I don't really... I'm not a huge fan of that, and I also just don't think it was necessary. Like, 16 games was fine. Uh, if anything, they should just cut the preseason down, and, and that would have been fine. They had, they had already expanded the playoffs to seven teams, which I thought was even too much. Uh, and they just keep changing things, and I'm not a huge fan of it. Maybe I'm a traditionalist. I, I don't know, but I was fine with 16 games. Uh, I, I like the fact that you could go 500, you could go eight and eight, or if you went seven and nine, it was bad. If it was nine and seven, it was it was kind of good. Uh, now all that is just kind of thrown for a loop, and, and it's going to take a lot of getting used to it. And I'm just not a huge fan. Yeah, I, of course, I think it's a good thing. I like preseason games, so of course I'd like an extra regular season game. Uh, I don't know, like this whole argument that i've heard and y'all obviously aren't the only ones who've said it but that stats won't be able to be kept and all this kind of stuff it it just that's fine like 
I, it does. I, I don't. I don't care how somebody stacks up now to how somebody stacked up in the 1960s. Like, I, I guess it'll bother me <laughs> in 20 years when I t- try to tell my son that you know, it's like you know what, Peyton Manning was really annoying because look at the stats he put up and other quarterbacks put up similar stats. But I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the way the game's going anyway. Like it. it stats go up every single year the game changes like uh, it it i don't know it doesn't it doesn't bother me as much as it does everybody else and as for the records i mean nine and eight is good just like nine and seven was good you know neither are great so i i don't know like i i enjoy football so much more than any other sport so to me the less time we have not watching football is a good thing. And that's just the simple math of it. Like, you know, there's this awful dead period at the end of July. Uh, that's just brutal when, when we're waiting for camp and preseason, just to have something new to talk about. And it like, I would much rather be able to talk about slightly bigger practice squads with slightly bigger rookie classes and slightly bigger rosters because they have to prepare for a 17 game season than I would to keep, you know, not that there's anything wrong with the 16 game season, but if they propose a 25 game season, I'm going to be there for that too. Like I, I wish football was year round. I wish it was year round as competitive as this. And I wish it was like soccer for other countries where, you know, there's always something interesting to watch and you always have a league that's on. So I, I know that that part of it, I may be in the minority of, I've already said, I enjoy preseason. So like y'all, y'all can come at me if you'd like, but getting a 17th game does not bother me at all. I'm going to change, not my stance, cause I'm still not a fan of it, but my reasoning for, for why I'm not a fan of it from what the three of us have talked about before. Matthias, I'm I'm with you on the records stuff, but but here's what after a few days of thinking about this, I've thought about. To me, it is not so much the oh now history is going to be changed and all the records will be meaningless. It is under relearning. We'll all have to relearn the game of football from a production analysis standpoint. Here's what I mean by that. A few years ago, uh, I was total. the world of baseball was totally foreign to me. This was four or five years ago. I uh, I didn't understand. I, I knew, you know, you hit the ball, you run around the bases, you score, right? But I didn't understand strategy. I didn't understand what, what good production looked like, you know, why this guy might play shortstop and why that guy might play in right field. You know, I didn't understand any of that. And now I love baseball and I'm a huge fan and I could, you know, write about baseball and do a baseball podcast if I had to love it. But I remember talking to one of my buddies during that period of time where I was trying to learn the game and I asked, I said, what's the, in terms of home runs, I'm trying to understand what's the equivalent of like, you know, how many home runs in baseball is equivalent to a 1000 yard receiving season in baseball or in football rather. And we kind of talked about that. And and that was really tough. I, I would think that was the hardest part of learning baseball was not so much the rules and the strategy and, you know, what a double switch is and the shift and things like that. It was, okay, now I want to talk about baseball, you know, like water cooler type of conversations. How do I know based on the stats who's doing good and who's not doing good? Now, Will a 17th game totally derail this for the NFL? No. But what bothers me is that these benchmarks that we have set for success, such as a 1,000-yard receiving season, a 1,000-yard rushing season, a 30-touchdown passing season, uh, these all get affected. And as a result, it is going to take several years for us to readapt these standards for studying the game and seeing what the good players do and what the not so good players don't do and that kind of bothers me I'm with you like yeah a 1000 yard receiving season is still going to be good but I think it's going to lose a little bit of value and it's going to take some time to actually understand what will take 
that place, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be weird. I think we're probably going to have to shift more towards, you know, per game stats, maybe like yards per game, catches per game, stuff like that. We usually look at things from a macro perspective, like how many yards total did he get in the season. But maybe with this change, we could look more towards per game stats, which actually might be good because I, it's a better barometer of, of how good a player uh, is performing anyway. Uh, another thing that, that does bother me about going to 17 games, I think we're going to get a lot of, th- like, the really good teams, they're probably going to clinch rather early, maybe earlier than usual. And we might get some seasons where, where teams are, are benching guys for the final two weeks of the season instead of only the final week of the season. And that's just, I don't know. I, I think that might put a weird, like, damper uh, on, on certain season. I don't know. And on that, well, on that, go ahead, Boyle. I was going to say that might be a good thing because the extra game is going to be for, I mean, it's AFC, NFC. So it's not like it's going to be some tiebreaker that gets it. If you're, uh, you know, a full two games ahead and you're going into week or game 17, week 18, I mean, it's not a bad thing to basically get an extra bye week for more teams. Because like I said, that, that 17th game in theory shouldn't be a huge difference if you're blowing away the rest of your competition and you, we already see teams, you know, take off most most weeks anyway. But with one less bye week in the playoffs, because only the number one seed gets the bye now, I, it, maybe it's not a terrible idea to let's say if I have to do the different math of the different records. Let's say the Titans are at ten and five. No, sorry, ten and six going ten into and six. That's <laughs> yeah, going into the last game of the season. And see, the Colts you're all you're already struggling with it. You're already <laughs> struggling with it. I, I mean, we'll have to relearn. But and the Colts are eight and eight. Like, it, it you you're going to rest those guys anyway. Like that, it's you've you've done what you've what you're going to do. You've secured the AFC South. Like the Titans get a bye week, so now you get a bye week, and you get like some of your guys are rested up, and they don't have to go straight from you know trying to clinch at the end of the season into a playoff game like most teams do, and then you can basically build in kind of a mini-by-week where you're still working, you're still practicing and moving around, nobody's leaving you know, the city, but at the same time, you're getting guys who aren't going to play, who are just going to rehab and doing all their stuff. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily a pure downside. I, I'll say this, thinking about it now, I think some people are like, I can't grasp that a team can't go 500. I kind of like that from this point forward, you will either be a winner or a loser. There will be no, we won half of our games, we are 500. You're either a winner or you're a loser. Here's what I'll add further, though, in in my uh, distaste for this change. I don't think anyone was asking for this, other than Will, maybe. (laughs) I was. (laughs) Like, when the rumors for this first came out, I mean, I feel like it was before COVID started that we were hearing rumblings on Twitter and in the news about NFL wanting to add a 17th game. I wasn't seeing very many people, if anyone, like just really fired up about it uh, or or asking for that. And I'll add to to this. I am a firm believer in life in the age-old proverb, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The NFL is a machine. The 16-game season has virtually always, with rare exception, in terms of final standings and the playoffs, yielded exactly what the NFL wanted. And now, we've got more playoff teams and another game. And this isn't me being a fuddy-duddy and being like, this isn't the NFL I grew up with. That's not the problem, the problem is, I don't think that this is an improvement over the NFL that we grew up with. More teams in the playoff and an extra interconference game. No, it, it, and it's the second season. Like, the seventh playoff team last year, they came out of nowhere. I didn't even know that was a thing until, like, the season was about to start. That's when I even learned about it. Uh, and now this gets dropped on us in the middle of the offseason when, like you said, no one asked for it. And it's pretty clear that the NFL is not crowdsourcing 
their decisions because no, I haven't seen a lot of people that are actually in favor of uh, both the seven playoff teams and the 17 game seasons. Uh, but they've been doing this for a while. I mean, they did it with the kickoffs that they, they completely destroyed the kick return game for, from existence, mostly for player safety, which fine, but they took, you know, some of the most exciting plays in football uh, away from it. And we just don't see that uh, anymore in today's NFL, which kind of sucks. I get it. But yeah, the, the NFL just keeps kind of changing. Uh, I hope they don't make too many changes because they're fine. Like they're, they're fine. They really don't have to make too many, but I mean, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we're overreacting and, and this really won't be a big deal, but I mean, even players like Alva Kamara tweeted as soon as this happened and he was like, this is dumb. Like, this is stupid. And oh, the players I have a lot to of the hate players, this. Yeah, like even though they're, I think they're getting another pay, paycheck. Can they, they? Do, they do get another no, ga- a pro rate. They do get a pro rate game check. I don't know how it works. It gets prorated. Yeah, I think yeah, they, they get they a prorated game check. Yeah. Anyway, but, they hate it because more injuries are probably going to happen. Just you know what? Like, how it is. I, I love Kamara. Kamara has never played sixteen games in a season. He's played it once, but like, it, it's not a big issue for him to play. 17 instead of 16 because he's not playing 16 uh y'all y'all are gonna be really upset when y'all remember that they're gonna add an 18th game like they've already agreed to it this was a big deal like what? i guess i guess y'all don't, yeah oh, i guess y'all don't remember this so the cba says that uh they gave the nfl permission to schedule no more than 18 games in the regular season they just just did one like they're, they're gonna do an 18th game it's just when not if so i i don't, I don't know what y'all have to do to brace yourselves for that but this is the first step towards <laughs> it don't don't worry where you don't have to get used to 17 because it won't be around long 18's right around the corner can, can we have the 18 game discussion now because no. i really hate that <laughs> I'm I'm definitely on board. 18 games, two bye weeks. Oh uh, do the same thing with the practice squads that you did during the COVID year, where you can call guys up. I think now, that was a great. I loved that. That was a great yeah, change. That, was that great. should stay. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if that is or isn't, but especially with more games, I think they should just keep it as it because it. Nobody felt like there was an unfair advantage that some team was just blatantly finding a loophole and exploiting it. Like I, I would definitely keep that. And you know, that's a good system. Like it keeps guys ready to go and plug in. And I, I, I like that system a lot, but yeah, like, uh, like I said, I don't know who needs to hear it, but we're going to 18 relatively quickly. So buckle up. It's just money. That's all this is. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's you, know, that's, you know who they consulted? Why the game exists. Wells Fargo and bank of America. That's who was consulted. And the agents who deal with the players and the NFLPA, like that, I mean, everybody gets more money this way. You know, if if you've only got ten years in your career, me. do we, what? Yeah, we don't we don't Set get me. extra money. Yeah, sorry, sorry, it, the players. Like that's the <laughs> thing. Like the big thing is, you know, a person's like NFL players are not meant to play until they're thirty eight years old, unless you're Tom Brady, and then it's like you can play until you're fifty four or whatever. Like. Most most careers don't last that long. Most times you start like entering your 30s, you've gotten your last contract. So if that's the case, why not maximize your earning potential? Like you get one game a season, but it's an extra, you know, two million dollars for like the really good players. Like it's an extra million dollars for like a pretty good portion of the league. Like maximize your earning power because it's not like if they cut the games down to four games a year that people could play until they were 60. Like you only have a finite amount of time where you can be successful in the NFL. Why not increase it? Increase your prime, you know, li- like this sounds cliche, but it's like, but live your career to the fullest. Like, do, you know, get as much as you can. And that way, when you retire, you're not like some of these guys who retired 20 years ago who made hundred thousand dollar checks. Like, I mean, this is not small. I mean, it's generational wealth. These guys are making and, you know, like, if they were really that opposed to it, they would not have signed that they wouldn't have all gone in on the NFLPA agreement. And they can have sour grapes about it now. And like, I feel for them because they have to play an extra game, but you know, like 
it, it's it's um, it's uh, I don't want to be the guy who says you know it's hard to be sympathetic to millionaires, but it's like you know this is what you want. I just don't think you understand how much this will help you in the long term. Like if you're somebody like Taylor Lewan and you make a million plus per game, you've added let's say you add ten games on your career just in the regular season. I mean. $12 million is a lot of money to add onto your final total. Like, I, I mean, so I, I don't know. Like, I, I think this is a good thing. I enjoy watching it as much as I can. This makes TV deals bigger. This makes everything more successful and easier to operate for the company. I, I'm all for it. Moving on to the next topic, which is the big blockbuster trades that took place with the NFL draft. Last week, what day was it, guys? I, I want to say it was Thursday, Friday. if I remember. Friday, I think, okay. I think it was Friday. So, here's what happens. So, the Miami Dolphins were sitting pretty at pick number three, and the San Francisco 49ers, who were sitting at pick number 12, came calling. San Francisco sent multiple first-round picks to Miami to swap from three to 12. So now 49ers sitting at three, presumably to get their quarterback of the future. Dolphins moved down to 12, but the Dolphins weren't done because they picked the phone back up, called the Philadelphia Eagles at six, and moved up those six spots from 12 to six. So now, after those trades, we have the 49ers at three, the Dolphins at six, and the Eagles at 12. What's happening here, guys? Who Who is everyone getting Maybe aside from the Eagles, because they just sort of traded down to get more picks. Why did Miami and San Francisco both decide to trade up here? Well, San Francisco has finally smartened up to the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo sucks, and they're finally going to go get a quarterback that they can actually win with, that Cal Shanahan can groom. I don't know who that is yet. I, I There are a lot of reports that David. it's Mac. Mac Jones. It, it is not Mac Jones. It cannot possibly be Mac Jones. It's not. You do not give up. It's not. You don't give up two future first-round picks. For, for a guy that was going to fall to you anyway it's at 12. Well, yeah, we don't know because apparently don't Carolina might have taken him at eight. But I think it's going to be Fields or Lance. I, they, both, they both are mobile. They have big arms. They're athletic. I feel like they fit more in – in what Kyle Shanahan actually wants to do uh, in the NFL. So I hope it is because I, I like Kyle Shanahan. I think he's one of the smartest coaches in the NFL, probably one of the brightest offensive minds we've had in quite a while. And I want to see him with a good quarterback because when he had a good quarterback, a.k.a. Matt Ryan, he made it to the Super Bowl and probably should have won that Super Bowl if it wasn't for you know a couple of bounces not going his way and, and some questionable play calling. But I would like to see them go for field or lands. I like both of them – a lot more than uh, than Mac McCorkle, Michael McCorkle Jones. Do uh, do y'all know who uh, Shanahan says that the best quarterback he ever coached was? I read that quote, but it, it, <laughs> it's taken out of context. Uh, that would be uh, Mr. Kirk Cousins himself. Uh, so I don't know, man. Okay, maybe we let's see let's quarterback pause. <laughs> But uh, it's he's not saying the greatest quarterback ever. He's saying the best he's coached, which is what? Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, RG3. I mean, take Matt the, I think. Matt Ryan. And RG3 oh, was yeah. good. Before I forgot played. about NFL MVP Matt Ryan. Uh, yeah. yeah, what? <laughs> so, I, I mean. I mean, Ryan, like, Ryan and Cousins are kind of. No, no, uh-uh, no, no, do not go there. I, Hold on. Ryan I, is better, but they're not Infinitely better, not close. Garoppolo's I, better than Cousins. going to do the quarterback thing? This is for sure a different conversation for one of those July months. Everyone, everyone, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second here. Every, And I'm not saying you have this, Matthias, but... It feels like every year we go down this train of people having Kirk Cousins amnesia. In like week six, people are ready to 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 send him to the to to to, to shoot him into the sun because he's not that good. He crumbles under pressure. He's wildly inconsistent. And he makes entirely too much money. 
But then in the offseason, he gets talked about like one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and I'm just not falling for it anymore. Okay, that's fair. I think he's like the 15th best quarterback in the league. Is, and Matt, that, is and that Matt, okay? Well, Matt Ryan yeah. and Stafford are not that much different. Just so, uh, like while we're getting our hot Ag- takes Agreed, off, but like, Matt Stafford is a lot better than Kirk Cousins. Uh, yeah, sure. Like, I, I mean, I agree. Although the guy who's Staff- coached him does not, here. which brings us all the way back to, uh, oh, well, I brought up Matt Stafford uh, because it's just, these are guys who you see constantly have losing records or mediocre records, but we, because they're not Matt the biggest Ryan. problem on their own team. Matt Ryan playing the we're Super about to Bowl. Find out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo went to the Super Bowl. Guess who coached them? Yeah, I was like, like we we can do this. Like, I mean, Joe Flacco won one. Like, Nick Foles won one. Like. You know, these are all exceptions, but they're kind of the only guys well, other than Tom I mean, Brady. Matt Ryan <laughs> was engineering one of the best offenses in NFL history from a statistical production standpoint, whereas Garoppolo was just I, sort of getting carried by everyone around him. Yeah, and I'm I'm not like I said, I'm not arguing this this part of it really. I, I just I wanted to bring that up while we were here because I, I'm trying to say like none of these guys are you know, drag these teams to 10 wins, even if there's no talent around them. It's they'll have several like losing seasons or like, you know, middling six and 10 type seasons, soon to be six and 11 type seasons. And like, they don't get blamed for it because they'll have a rebound year the next year or there's bigger problems other places. So all that to say, no matter what you think on, you know, in ink on paper, we have uh, Shanahan saying that that was the best quarterback he's coached. And everybody seems to think that they wanted him when he was going to be a free agent. And they thought about trading for him at times. I, I mean, I'm telling you, like, I, I did not want to believe that it was Mac Jones in our DMs. I was making fun of the idea. But why lie? I mean, you also think Harold Landry is, like, really good, so... See, you're trying to you're trying to fight with me because I'm right about this, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just telling you. I, I couldn't like, decide whether to get. I couldn't decide which would be more painful: Harold Landry or John Robinson. No, Corey Davis is uh, gone. We've moved on from that. Corey Davis and Mariota are both in in the graveyard of Titans discussions. You know, it is going to be wild when they have like uh, Zach Wilson in New York and he can't get the ball to Corey Davis and they just like cut him or trade him and Titans and, get him and, back. And, and, t- and Titans fans get to keep arguing that, well, if he just had these 15 things, he might be good. Anyway, we, we you know, that's a discussion for another day. What are the dolphins doing? Are they taking Devonte Smith? If he's even there at six? I mean, yes. Well, Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they take, I don't know if they take Devontae Smith, but I think he's one of the players they would take. I think even though I didn't like the value of the trade, because I think giving up a first round pick to move up six spots when you're probably not moving up for a quarterback probably isn't the best trade on the trade value uh, chart. Although they don't really care because they have so many picks, it doesn't even matter. Uh, But they position themselves nicely to get either Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, maybe they like Waddle or Kyle Pitts or Panay Suel, uh, the the lineman. So I like it. Like I like moving back up, even though the value doesn't really align. I think it's a good move because they're going to get a blue chip player one way or another, especially because three quarterbacks, possibly four quarterbacks uh, are going in the top four. You know, this would seem to suggest bringing up quarterbacks that they're committed to to a tongue of Iloa who was benched like three times in his rookie season for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like I, and, and I loved Tua at Alabama and, and he was uh, other than Burrow, my favorite quarterback prospect this year, as was, I think the case with a lot of people. I, I always thought that, you know, not to make a, a hyperbolic comparison, but the way he played always reminded me of Drew Brees, just that, that pinpoint accuracy, smaller quarterback, but all that aside Tua kind of stunk as a rookie are they making the right choice to bet on him and just say, well, let's go get him some help as opposed to let's find his replacement? Yeah. Uh, uh, it, that's the beauty of, first of all, the Laramie Tunsil trade and just absolutely fleecing 
the Texans, but also this San Francisco trade where they also got uh, a first round pick in 2023. Uh, plus, they also got a third round pick in that trade also. Like, they have ammo if it doesn't work out with two of this year, and they're going to surround them with a lot of talent because they already have Devontae Parker. Uh, they, they signed Will Fuller. Uh, they have Gasicki, who kind of broke out last season, and now they might get a blue chip offensive player at number six. Like, there are no excuses for Tua. Like, if you can't do it across your first two seasons, I, I don't know. Like, it's sketchy whether you're going to be able to do it in the future. And if it doesn't pan out with Tua this year, they still have a lot of ammo to go move up in 2022 or 2023 and go get that quarterback. So they're they're in a really nice spot, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they roll the dice because, again— you get the first round pick for the, they traded their first round pick uh, next year in the trade to get back up, not the 49ers pick. So they're going to get the pick from San Francisco. Who's going to be starting Mac Jones or playing him heavily by the end of the season against Seattle, Arizona and uh, the Rams. I almost called them St. Louis. Uh, so like that, I mean, that's going to be pretty tough for them. So I, I mean, that might be another top five pick, you know, and even if it's like, let's say, let's say that Miami is average Tua gets a ton of help this year and he doesn't do anything exceptional with it next year. They have those picks. They've got extra picks for the next two years in the first, no, sorry, extra picks in 2023. And then they'll have the 49ers 2022 pick, which should be higher than theirs. So, if Russell Wilson really is on the trade block or if there's another quarterback, I mean, like think about the quarterbacks that have moved or been talked about being moved from now to this time last year. Like we've seen that the NFL is more like ready and willing to make trades and move guys around than ever. So with all that extra ammo, if they don't like Tua or if they think Tua is just fine, they can put him in a trade with a couple of first round picks and trade him to somebody else. Like, like I said, like if Seattle can't to get something done with Russell Wilson, you just make that trade. Then all of a sudden you have a, you know, not Hall of Fame, but a, a very good Super Bowl winning quarterback on a team that's now stacked with young talent around him. Like they've got options. So might as well see what you can get out of Tua, load up the roster around him. And then if you want to do something else at quarterback, it should be a very easy transition down the line. Well, we finally made it to the point where we can start talking about the NFL draft, which is just four weeks away, if you can believe it. I think we'll have um, maybe three or four more regular podcast episodes. We haven't charted that out yet. Uh, we'll definitely do our uh, our mock draft as we we do every year. We'll, uh, you know, it's funny. I feel like one time it was just me and Will, or or just me and Matthias. I can't remember. And then last year we had Calvin Smith do it so that we had an even number. And then I don't know what we'll do this year. Well, I, I can't. I'm trying to think of people I would want to join. I love doing those mock drafts with you guys. It's yeah. always a lot yeah. of fun. Where it's like it's I not. I mind it's, doing a couple, but yeah, it's not like what we yeah. think will happen. It's what we want to happen. Right, what and we what would we do. would do if we were in the position of specific teams. I, yeah. I think it's a good way to like get our mindsets. It's nice. And yes. it, it'd be a good way, to, like if we could ever do one where all three of us got to pick for the Titans at different times, that would be interesting too, where it was just that way we could kind of do that. But that's it's always a fun thing. Yeah, so, so keep your eyes out. That'll be uh, the week before the draft just so that we can get as close as possible to – uh, where the picks are. We don't want to miss any trades or anything like that. But as we start talking about the draft, this is one that the Titans are going to have to nail. They desperately, I was talking about but this with someone today, they desperately need cheap contracts. I've said it on this podcast many times before that in the NFL draft, you're not just drafting players, you are drafting contracts, Okay. They need cheap talent, not just because of the salary cap, because that's going back up next year, but because you're paying a franchise quarterback, you're paying a running back, you're paying a left guard, you're paying a left tackle, you're paying a safety, 
you're paying an outside linebacker. If Harold Landry plays really well this year, you're going to be paying a second outside linebacker. Jeffrey Simmons is coming up. A.J. Brown is coming up. A lot of these guys are can't-miss players that you want to keep around. they got to get some production out of the youth. And, and I don't want to have another John Robinson debate because I feel like we've already had three in the last month. But, but you know, slander of Robinson aside, they need, you know, they've got four picks in the top 100. They need one of these guys to come in and do what A.J. Brown did. Because what A.J. Brown did when he came in is he defied the excuses. He missed all of training camp, missed all of the preseason. What We didn't even think he would play very much. What did he do? First game with Mariota as his quarterback, lit the Browns on fire. It's t- And he's been about the only player, rookie, that they've had because they bring him along so slowly, that came in and week one was just the man. And that's what A.J. Brown was. They need a young superstar like A.J. Brown who's going to come in and from day one take some part of this team to the next level, not guys that you kind of have to string along and we sit here and make excuses for. They need impact now. Yeah, it's true. And I think even though I like John Robinson, I love what he's done as GM, and I think he's been a particularly good drafter, uh, especially re- relative to the other GMs in the NFL, there is a lot of pressure to get this draft right just because last year's was an abject disaster. Uh, with the Isaiah Wilson situation, but also some of the other picks uh, that it was kind of out of out of his control. Some of them, like the Darrington Evans injury, Fulton also coming along slowly, uh, but some of the other picks were, weren't all that great either. There's a lot of pressure on him to get it right, and especially because like this team has this roster has a lot of holes left. Like I I, I know free agency isn't done. There are still some players that that they could plug in. Uh, at some spots, maybe for depth, there are some holes on the roster. Like, we need another cornerback. Uh, I would not feel comfortable with Breon Borders being, or or Kevin Johnson being our third cornerback uh, receiver. Like we've talked about before, they still need one or two mate two guys there. Tight end, they need someone to replace uh, uh, Johnu Smith and Michael Pruitt. They still need another edge to to supplement Bud Dupree and uh, Harold Landry. Like. There's a lot. There's a lot that that still has to be done. And if you hit, like you said, on those first four picks uh, in the top 100, especially at some of these positions of need, then the times are going to be pretty good this year. And they're probably going to return to the playoffs. But if it goes wrong, we could be having a a morbid, <laughs> morbid conversation next offseason. Yeah, it's. It's weird because we've talked about this a lot and the needs have changed for the team consistently throughout the offseason because of, you know, the cuts and the signings that were some were strange, some made sense, whatever. Like, it, it's going to be really interesting because y'all talked about having four picks in the first uh, 100, which is a pretty crucial number because it's kind of the dividing line between when draft picks become lottery tickets and when they're actually, like, historically proven to be effective so i don't know like it it would obviously be great to have another one of those seasons where you get jeffrey simmons aj brown nate davis and then like a guy like amani hooker later david long later which they all came from the same class like we've seen this front office do that before and you know they've they've had seasons where they've drafted like uh i think it was the conklin year yeah when they got conklin henry uh and then kevin byard later and it's like we've seen guys who haven't been superstars from day one, but who've grown into that. Like Kevin Byard and Henry notoriously didn't start. Uh, and then they grew into those roles. And, you know, now they've been what they've been. So it, it would be nice to see those guys spike up and have an instant impact. And I think you do need to have that. I am curious to think or to see what they think about some of the guys that they have on the bottom of the roster. And I guess we'll find out when the draft comes what they actually think, but it's, it's important. 
Someone getting a mail delivery? Yeah, my dog's going wild. I don't know what her problem is. It's <laughs> having flashbacks to the Isaiah Wilson pick. Yeah, yeah, it sense my energy. I I don't know why I, I keep bringing his name up. He he's losing <laughs> in our minds. Rent free. Um, which positions? Let, let's take the first two rounds. Which positions would you say? Yeah, good stuff. If the Titans added someone at that position, first two rounds. So two positions. No, you don't. No, you list the positions that if they chose from these <laughs> positions in in the first two rounds, you would be okay with that. I don't think either any any of us is going to put offensive tackle among them. No, no. Okay, so. For <laughs> first two rounds, I think it's got to be some combination of two of three of edge receiver cornerback because the tight end value just isn't going to be. I mean, unless Kyle Pitts drops to 2022, 20, that's not happening. But I think it has to be. I don't know. Two, we were told two, that o, we were told OJ Howard was going to go second overall and then he fell to the 20s. It's not the same. Kyle Pitts is, yeah, it's is actually, it's actually good. <laughs> anyway, it has to be two of those three. I would be okay with a defensive lineman, even though I haven't like gone in depth towards uh, to, towards watching the interior defensive lineman. Uh, I do think that's another position of need. But if I were to pick, if, if the cornerback value lines up in the first or second round, I'd be cool with that, but I think edge and receiver are still the biggest because I think they're the biggest impact uh, players, and I think you really need someone to supplement Bud Dupree and Harold Landry because the pass rush is just so important, and we've seen that uh, in today's NFL, and we've seen that with, with the Titans over the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I think you kind of hit that. The one thing I would change is I, I would say like defensive line and edge are almost interchangeable to me at this point because of how they, they may not use Danico Autry, but yeah, wide receiver cor- slot corner specifically. And then somebody who can play on the front floor and who, you know, hopefully can get a pass rush. I think, I think those are the positions you really have to hone in on. I I think, Wide receiver, corner, outside linebacker. I don't want them to take a corner in the first round. I really don't. I don't think that makes them... I don't think taking a cornerback in the first round is going to add wins to their end-of-season record. Whereas I think a receiver would, and I think an edge would. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I still think cornerback is very important, and we saw what bad cornerback play... Uh, can lead to last season. The well, defense I mean, was really bad. To be fair, really bad. Christian Fulton and Janoris Jenkins is not Jonathan Joseph plus. I mean, you put Jonathan Joseph with Richard Sherman in his prime, that's still going to be a disaster. But you need three. Like in in the NFL, you need three now. You can't have two good cornerbacks and just expect to. Yeah, but the, to fir- get away. the first so round many- though, that's or you know, go get Casey Hayward in free agency or draft someone on day two. I just don't think the first round is the time for that. Unless, unless there's like a great value option at that point. Yeah. That's why so, I said, if the value lines up in the first or second round, so like if JC Horn falls in, in, to 22 uh, or Patrick Sertan or something like that. But yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I, I still think there are some quarterbacks left in free agency, uh, particularly slot cornerbacks, they, they could probably slot right in and and perform well. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, and something we should talk about, and it'll probably make a big difference on draft night, is what does this defense want to be? Because we've seen them basically – I mean, Robinson has you know, basically told Vrabel, look, like you can have your guy and I'll make the defense you want. You know, and then you're going to get the responsibility that comes with that because that's your guy. And so the decisions that they made were to, you know, cut Butler and cut Adore Jackson. And I know they had money given to him, but they, there were other ways that they could have gotten that money, I believe. But 
they decided that they were better going cheaper at corner and getting Bud Dupree in, getting Denico Autry in, and bringing in guys who could rush the passers. So that tells me that they think that this defense, the coverage is dictated by the pass rush and not the other way around, which is a big philosophical debate that you have to, you know, every defensive coordinator has a different opinion on it. But it seems like Shane Bowen and Mike Vrabel believe that it doesn't matter how good your defensive backs are if you're not getting quick pressure or consistent pressure with your front four, then it doesn't matter. So if that's the case, then you would think that makes sense why they're giving out small contracts to Jenkins. I mean, I assume it's a small contract to Jenkins and then to Kevin Johnson as guys who are just going to be patchwork guys along with Breon Borders and Chris Jackson and other guys, and then Fulton is the starter on the other side. Maybe they think that that you know it doesn't. There's no value in paying corners and defensive backs a lot of money because that's just not what they value. So if that's the case, then they wouldn't spend a first round pick on corner at all. Just philosophically, like I mean, I guess maybe if there was a great player there, but it's hard to get value at corner that low in the draft. So then that pushes me towards, okay, well, what do they think about wide receiver and what do they think about defensive line? And then you could be talking about an argument where it's like, you know, they may want a defensive tackle more than they want a wide receiver because they just let one wide receiver go. And again, I know they didn't have the money. We can argue about that a different time. But I mean, if they think that the whole defense is founded around the principle of getting pressure with your front four and being able to attack the quarterback. I mean, I could definitely see them going after another pass rusher, either at edge or defensive line early in the first round. I think that just generally speaking, they've got to add another edge because all we've heard about heading into this season, you know, Shane Bowen said, we got to get Harold Landry snaps down. He might have played more in 2020 than he did in 2019, if not very close. And Bud Dupree was sort of the same way in Pittsburgh, playing just an absurd amount of snaps to where he's got to be exhausted you know, by the third quarter. Uh, the Titans aren't going to get anything out of their investment in, in Bud Dupree, and they're going to continue to get disappointing return in their investment in Harold Landry if they cannot do something to get those guys off the field without the defense falling apart. The reason that Harold Landry played so many snaps, I don't know about Bud Dupree, but the reason that Harold Landry played so many snaps for the Titans in 2020 is because the the, the team would just spontaneously combust if you took him off the field because he was the only good pass rusher they had. It went from, from Harold Landry, who's like a B-level pass rusher, to like, F's, you know, and, and Tazar Skipper and these other guys. So they've got to do something to alleviate. It's not about pressure, taking taking pressure away. It's about literally managing their physical toil during the season. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. And just looking at the, the backup edges, it's... Oh. Like Derek Roberson, fine. He's had a couple of flashes, but he has three sacks in his career. I mean, really can't expect expect much from him. And then, like you said, there's our skipper Wyatt Ray. Like, if these guys are, are are put in a position to start, if Bud Dupree or Harold Landry goes down, like the defense is is screwed. Like it's it's just that bad. And you you just have to have a good rotation of pass rushers in there. And if you get an edge who can also play, uh, you know, just on the line with his hand in the ground, I think that's also a plus. And I think you could get that in in this draft because there are a couple couple players that can do that. And I think with that, you could probably kill two birds with one stone because you can also play him on the defensive line. And like Will said, Danico Autry can also be a little versatile. So, yeah, I... The the more I think about it, the more I, I would like an edge in the first round if a player I like is there. I feel like the receivers that are going to be there probably aren't worth uh, the 22nd pick. And that's why I'm leaning towards edge. And I'm pretty sure John Robinson probably will be also, which means he's going to draft an an offensive tackle at 22. Sorry guys. Yeah. means Tevin Jenkins is incoming, but I actually like Tevin Jenkins. So no slander there. Uh, Yeah. It's, 
it's interesting. Like I, I think they're still going to sign somebody in free agency and you know, for what it's worth, take it with a grain of salt. But Jim White in his mailbag, uh, Tuesday morning said that he expects the Titans to add another edge before the draft comes. So, I mean, if they draft a third, if they add a third guy, I just, I, I mean, I, I understand that we want depth and all this stuff, but the problem is that you just can't take Carol Landry off the field. Like he does, he does too much for you and you pay De- Bud Dupree. Like you want him to play every snap because that's what he's done in the past when he's been healthy. And I think that's what they expect from him. I think that's why he got, you know, a big contract is because they think he's going to be healthy and that he's going to play like he did before he got hurt and that he's going to be that guy. So you have to assume that they want those guys to play 80% of the snaps minimum. 80% of the snaps. But that's not what's been also, happening with those two players. They've been playing like no, 97% playing of the snaps. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I hear you. But you also have to remember that for whatever reason, they like that dumb three defensive linemen, one edge, you know, front that they run. And I, I don't I don't like it, but they have chosen to do it for two straight years now with Shane Bowen and uh, Mike Vrabel interfering with Dean Pease's play calls back in 2019. And then last year, just outright, when we saw Crawford get so many snaps. So you have to assume that when they signed Autry, that what part of what they thought he could bring is that he could be that, you know, big defensive lineman, five tech, four eye, you know, wh- wherever they want to play him over there, opposite Landry or Dupree. So then you cut down the snaps that you're going to get from a quote unquote edge in that formation. Even if you think that they're going to play Landry or uh, Dupree off the ball behind, you know, like they did with Landry some last year. So all of that to say, like, I really just don't know how much you can invest in another edge if they also sign an edge. And like I said, I, I think they should. Like, I think I think there's but I also disagree with a lot of the things that Shane Bowen does. And if we're going on under the assumption that John Robinson is trying to help build a defense that will make Shane Bowen successful as hard as that mountain is to climb, then we have to assume that he's going to stick to what he's been doing because he doesn't think that he's done anything wrong. He just thinks it's the player's fault. Just go, just here's the solution. Go pay Ryan Kerrigan two and a half million dollars. That way, you always have one of the three of him, Dupree, or Landry on the field. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of guys like Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston. There's guys out there that, you know, somebody's going to sign Jadavian Clowney that's not the Titans. Olivier Vernon, I believe, is still out there. Like, somebody is going to sign Jadavian Clowney and take themselves out of the race for these other players. So that just leaves another, you know, veteran who could come to the Titans. But... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think that that's just how they're going to roll. I think they're going to. I mean, defensive linemen make sense. I'll tell you who. I, I know we're not trying to talk about specific players right now, but somebody who could kind of fix all their problems is Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, which is the linebacker from Notre Dame. Who I think he played more snaps in the slot than he did inside the tackle box. And so, if your problem is well. They're not going to add another edge, but they need more presence in the front seven. They don't have anybody to play slot corner. Why don't you just let this freak athlete play slot corner for you who's also kind of an overhang defender, and then you treat it like you were treating Landry when you made him play out of position on half the snaps? Now, if they're creative enough to see that is is another thing. I, I don't know if their minds will work like that, but that's a guy who kind of fixes all your problems. Yeah, he can also probably take some snaps away from Rashawn Evans, and we know how much how much we could use that. Uh, I thought you were actually going to say Russo just because of his kind of flexibility and versatility in terms of being able to play uh, on the interior, but also being able to win on the edge. I think he would be a good pick at 22. Obviously, I'm biased because he went to my alma mater, UM, but I do think he's a very good player, and I think could be he's a little raw and i think you need to coach him uh and i know Vrabel and shane bowen aren't the best coaches 
but I'm sure they have something something to say and they could teach him some things. And I think he could be the guy that they thought Clowney was going to be, that, the guy who can play on the edge on rundowns and then shift inside uh, on passing downs and, and get uh, pass rush from the interior, which is something that Russo did so well in college. It's actually where most of his production came from. And I think that would really help both the defensive line and also the edge position. Yeah, and if we're talking about Russo, which I do like, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I've com- pretty openly compared him to Zadarius Smith. Like, you don't have to put him as a true edge this this first season to justify a first-round pick. Like, what they did with Harold Landry is he was a rotational guy behind Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo his first year. And wasn't necessarily supposed to be the starter the next year, but Morgan and Rackpo both kind of fell off at the exact same time, and he came in and started and did great. But they used him as a situational pass rusher. You could do the same thing, but while you're teaching him, you know, while you're figuring out if he's more Danico Autry and he needs to put on 30 pounds or 20 pounds, or if you're trying to figure out if he's more Derek Morgan – you can have him as a nickel interior pass rusher who's, you know, another three tech. Like, the, there's plenty of ways to get him on the field, which kind of does make him more valuable than somebody like, uh, you know, an Ojolari or somebody who has to be like a true edge because they've got enough of those guys who win with speed around the edge in Dupree and in Harold Landry that if you want something that's a little bit different, that has utility immediately and isn't just a long-term play, then Russo does make sense for that. So, yeah, I mean, and then you can argue, like, you can argue guys like uh, Barmore from Alabama, too, who's uh, closer to Danico Autry and that, like, they'll have options to be creative. But it all comes back to how cookie-cutter does this, do these players have to be for Shane Bowen to not mess them up? And, And I don't know the answer to that. A preview of next week, I think we would all agree that if the season were starting this afternoon, the biggest need for the Titans would be wide receiver, because I think it's pretty hopeless the way things are right now. So next week on the podcast, we will be diving into the wide receiver position in the draft and talking about which ones make the most sense for the Titans, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. For now, though, it is time to close out this episode with our Stop the Nonsense segment. And I've got one that is near and dear to my heart this week. That might not be entirely true. But, so here's mine. I'm calling out the Center for Disease Control this week, the CDC, but not for anything political. I'm not accusing them of, you know, manipulating COVID numbers. I'm not accusing their... uh, you know, regulations and and suggestions for being wrong or anything like that. Here's what I'm criticizing the CDC for. So two weeks ago, I go, or maybe three weeks ago, I go to get my first dose of the uh, coronavirus vaccine. I got the Moderna. I get my second dose in about a week, and, and then I'll be all good to go. And you know, as any of you listening who've gotten the vaccine or have seen pictures know, when you get your first shot, you are given the COVID-19 vaccination card where they they mark uh, when you got your first shot and then you take it back the second time, they mark when you get your second shot and then that's your proof, should you ever need it, that you have had a vaccine. I think it's a handy tool. Here's my problem. They have made these suckers to where they don't fit in your wallet. And that is a problem because... So, the, the most valuable pieces of information that I own are either kept in, in the, uh, uh, the, the glove compartment of my car, you know, like registration, insurance, things like that, or in my wallet, which is where I keep, you know, my debit card, my driver's license, those sorts of things, as normal people do. But I'm not going to leave my COVID-19 vaccination card in the glove compartment of my car because I might eventually be somewhere where I need to show proof of vaccination. So I want to have it ready. So I stick it in my wallet and close it. And then the next day I come back and like the, the right edge of this card is like bending and, and, and curling over because it's just a little bit too big to fit inside my normally sized wallet. 
this was an oversight on the part of whoever made these things, uh, I would ask that at the next printing, you scale them down just a bit so that they fit inside a wallet. Thank you. Can you not, you can't fold the paper? I mean, I guess you could bend it in half, but it's not like, a, it's not like pliable. <laughs> it's like cardstock. I love yeah. the idea that you could just like kind of gently bend it back and fit it in your wallet, but it's a principal thing where you just refuse to. <laughs> oh, it's cardstock. So it's thick, kind of. I, I did see that Staples is laminating for free. So that's cool. Or it might have been Office Depot or one of them. I don't know. Uh, so we're, since we're talking about uh, things that don't actually <laughs> touch on football, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, so mine is, you know, may, maybe you're listening from Nashville or you like hockey or whatever, but I, I'm a Predators fan. I enjoy watching hockey and I enjoy watching them play. And they spent, I don't know, the first 40% of the season looking awful like looking like a team that was going to get you know a top five pick in the in the draft and uh, that was fine it was it it was a shortened season you know what whatever this was going to be okay and they were going to be sellers and they had assets to sell at the trade deadline but in the last eight games they've won seven of their eight and they're suddenly in a position for the playoffs and you know, as we're recording this, they're playing against Dallas right now. So they quotes came out today that basically said that the the Predators have changed their thinking and they're not going to be sellers, but they're still not long term. They're still not built to be contenders like they need more prospects and they need to get younger. And, you know, they hopefully need to get rid of a few bad contracts. But it's just it's very frustrating and this is a very specific stop the nonsense but it's very aggravating to spend i don't know 2 months looking at guys that you hope that your team will trade for and prospects that your team will get only to find out it's like actually no we're going to keep you with those guys that you've been dreaming about trading so you have resentment towards them for the next you know year and oh by the way if we make the playoffs we're probably going to be one and done and then back to square one next year with fewer assets so that's kind of a nightmare going on with me right now that's got nothing to do with football. So that's my stop the nonsense. Uh, mine is quick. I really couldn't find much. Uh, I guess I really wasn't too uh, into Twitter this past week. But Dave Hyde wrote an article. He's a, a beat writer for the Dolphins for the Sun Sentinel down here uh, in Florida. And his column right after the trades happened with the Dolphins says – the Dolphins didn't get much for the number three pick, and I, I don't, I don't know. He says that that it's underwhelming what they were able to get. I guess because he didn't like the the trade up from from number twelve to number six. But I don't know how you can move down three spots, pick up a third rounder, a first rounder, and a fifth rounder, and, and say that that they didn't they didn't get enough. Like they're still going to get the same player. They would have gotten at three. They picked up uh, future picks, and one of them is a first-round pick that could be high. Like I, I, I just don't understand that. I, I feel like he was just kind of fishing for 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 clicks. Like that's what that's what most of the beat writers do anyway. But uh, I didn't really understand that take. I, I didn't like it, and I don't know who could possibly see what the Dolphins ha- have done as of late and, and kind of talk bad about it. Yeah. It's like, it, uh, go ahead. This is the time of year for horrific takes on Twitter. Yeah. And it's, it's so easy to just like, the problem is don't even think about them ever having the 12th pick and that extra pick. Think about them as a team that like, okay, what they did is they, they're going to draft the exact same guy that they wanted to draft at three, but they're getting paid an extra first-round pick to do it. Like, that's what they did. It's like they, they don't look at it as losing value. They look at it as they maximized the value of the 49ers trade and then made the trade that they needed to to get back up, knowing that they're going to end up with the same guy either way. So that that's crazy to me. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been sharing with each other some of these takes that have been thrown out there lately. It's garbage. I mean, you come into Pro Day and and numbers and oh, goodness gracious, it's a lot. The the Jim Nagy tweets where he just puts the eyes emoji after <laughs> every forty yard. Oh, I, I don't follow him, and I may have him muted. I don't know. He, it, he put so it on. Funny on 2-2 Atwell's today and his 40-yard dash time relative to his weight and height is like third percentile. (laughs) That's the one that got me too, is I was like, oh, he didn't do the eye emoji next to the fact that he weighed 150 pounds, but it's like he ran a 4-4-9 or something, or like a 4-4-2 and it's like, (laughs) yeah, that's not going to work. I'm I'm looking at these now and and seeing the format, because I don't follow Jim Nagy, where yeah. it's like he lists every single freaking measurable you could imagine, and then like, yeah. but next to some he will put the eye emoji. <laughs> and what trips me out is that he'll put the stopwatch emoji by the forty time. So I think that it's a good time, and then I'm like, oh, that's just a regular time. He's just using another emoji. It's very strange. All right, that's going to do it for us. We will be back next week, as I said earlier, to talk about the receivers in this draft class, perhaps even more. Until then, for Will and Matthias, I'm Luke. Thank you for listening, and I want to remind you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.